Welcome to the Chronic Spoonful podcast, where we discuss real life with real chronic illness. Each week, we'll cover an aspect of real life spoony living and what that can mean for different chronic illnesses. We hope this will be a place you can go for updated spoony info and where you'll find humor because, you know, we're a little crazy, important information, and community. As a disclaimer, we just want to remind you that, yes, we'll be talking about chronic illness and health information, but we are not your doctor. Everyone's chronic illness is different, and we are absolutely not MDs, so we are not qualified to give you medical advice. We're going to tell you unequivocally to discuss anything we talk about on this podcast with your doctor. Okay, so, well, hi, everyone, and um, we'd like to welcome Dr. Susan Masterson to the show. Uh, Susan was uh, diagnosed with Sjogren's in 2017 after many years of seemingly unrelated signs and symptoms. Her diagnosis revealed how all the puzzle pieces fit perfectly and confirmed that a real identifiable underlying problem tied everything together. Her personal experience along with her training in health psychology uniquely qualified her to deep dive into the research and surface with clear and simple solutions for other Sjogren's patients. So she has written a book called, You Mean It's Not All In My Head, shocking, great title. Um, and her book is now available on Amazon and we are privileged to have her here on the show today to talk to us a little bit more about Sjogren's sy syndrome and um, treatments for it and symptoms. And I'm gonna turn it over to Nicole to start our conversation. Okay. Hi, everybody. Hope you had a good week. I'm so excited you're here, Susan. I just need to tell everybody that I got to read um, Susan's book early, and it is phenomenal. I truly wish, and I said this to Susan before, but I want you all to know that I wish somebody would have written a book about lupus and like this book, because the way it's explained, and it's so thorough, that I also have Sjogren's, but I did not know half of this information. I am so grateful for your book, Susan. And if you would just share your backstory about when your symptoms started, you know, about why you, um, like how long it took for an actual diagnosis, anything you feel comfortable. I'm really glad to have a chance to talk about Sjogren's, uh, especially with Sjogren's Awareness Month being in April. Um, it's really important to have the public the medical professions understand this disease because it is really complex and it, it's the diagnosis takes so many years for so many people and it doesn't need to be this way. Um, but then I know that from experience, uh, basically because as a child, I started having symptoms like um, problems with my eyes, joint pain, um, a lot of fatigue and brain fog. And Every time I was at a doctor's appointment, they would just say, well, it's growing pains or, oh, well, I don't know, your eyes are fine. I don't see anything or you're tired because you just, you're not managing your stress well. And they're saying this to me as a kid, you know. Um, so years go by and just nothing comes of it. And it just seems like things pop up with practically every organ system. I have a cough, I have, um, funny liver enzymes going on. I have bladder pain. Um, I have uh, colitis, just all these different symptoms pop up. And it's always just doctors just kind of shrug. No, I don't know why you got that. But here, you know, take this or do 
this or just learn to manage stress and shoo me out the door basically. To fast forward basically, when I was uh, about 46 years old, I started working really hard to try to lose some weight and get feel get feeling healthier because I felt like at this point in my life, you know, I really need to get a grip because this has just been going on for so many years. So I um, got really focused on losing weight and exercising and eating really lower calorie foods. And I'm not going to say healthy foods. I'll tell you why later. But um, I worked really hard and got down to 114 pounds. And I was collapsing practically every day. And my doctor, I finally had my physical and I pretty much brought her a whole laundry list of symptoms. Um, and I said, you know, she looked at me and she said, well, it's not because you're overweight and it's not because you're inactive. This doesn't make sense. You're taking good care of yourself. So you should feel great with what you're doing. So I said, well, you know, hey, I've had this history of all these lab things coming up. I had a sed rate that was really high, sedimentation rate that was really high, which is an indicator that you might have an autoimmune disease. But back way back when I had that, the doctor, I didn't know what it meant. And the doctor just went, well, someday you're going to have an autoimmune disease. Not let's look into this. Someday you're going to have something. So just be aware of it. So I told my doctor and she said, well, let's, let's dig here. Let's really finally dig, you know, 47 years old. I finally have somebody dig. Sure enough. Um, she did all the blood work for the whole autoimmune gamut and came back positive with ANA, um, anti-nuclear antibodies, which basically means you're attacking yourself somehow. Um, and then something called SSB, which is a, an auto antibody that basically your body's attacking this. It's more specific about what your body's attacking. And that has become a symptom. That's become one of the signs that shows that you have Sjogren's. Um, it's not the whole picture, obviously, because a lot of people that have Sjogren's don't test positive for SSA or SSB. So that makes the diagnosis even harder. Um, so anyway, I finally got diagnosed and holy did I feel vindicated. Um, I felt finally like, all right, it wasn't in my head. And then my emotions kind of went all over the place. You know, I was, I was angry for all the years of being brushed aside. I was happy that maybe now I can finally get some treatment that's going to make me feel like a quote unquote normal person. Um, and then all my research got started because my doctors really didn't tell me anything about it. I got handed this really old printout um, about what Sjogren's is. It was, you know, like a two page thing and looked like it was from the early days of the internet. So wow. couldn't have been very current um, and just really no explanation. So of course I went home and I Googled it and researched as much as I could and realized the research is a little confusing and that's from coming from someone who understands research. Um, so for some somebody who doesn't have a background in reading the statistics and understanding all those things, they're, they're not gonna know what to make of all this. So basically I at some point decided I, I should write this down. <laughs> so people who get this diagnosis don't have to go for years and years trying to figure out what it is that their body's doing and what they can do about it. So I wanted to make it simpler and faster for everybody. Which well, I think you, you did. Yeah, yeah, you knocked it out of the park. It, it was so amazing and thorough. I just, I felt like it was very clear to the point and it was, I really understood for the first time. I, I, I felt like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I didn't know this much about this disease process. So it was really eye-opening. 
was amazing. Well, thanks. Um, no problem. I, I wanted to ask you, could you explain what Sjogren's is to people who don't, for people who don't understand? Sure. It is an autoimmune disease, which basically means your immune system is attacking parts of your body instead of a foreign invading body or um, you know, an injury or something like that. So your body somehow gets it in its head, your immune system gets it in its head that it's this thing is a danger and this thing I'm going to tell all the rest of the immune system that it needs to go get rid of that thing. And in Sjogren's that thing is called an, an exocrine gland, an exocrine gland, which is the, the glands that are found throughout your whole body that produce and release moisture into the tissues to make your tissues work correctly. So if you can imagine, where do you need moisture in your body to work right? Pretty much everywhere. Sjogren's is basically can get you anywhere that needs moisture. Um, the thing that people notice the most quickly is dry eyes and dry mouth. If they happen to notice it, if it happens, sometimes for some people, it is a real abrupt change. So the dry eyes and dry mouth are the most, what consider the hallmark symptoms of Sjogren's. Um, but it goes so much deeper than that. And too many doctors don't know about that. So that's one good reason we got Sjogren's Awareness Month going on. Most definitely. Um, more doctors need to understand that it's not just dry eyes and dry mouth. You know, lung problems. I've had lung problems going back to when I was, I think, 22. Oh, um, wow. The eyes since I was a kid, the joint pain since I was a kid, um, bladder pain since young adulthood, just all these things that nobody thought to go, why is all this happening to this kid? I totally mean, it can't be it. a fluke that all these things happen to hit her, you know? So you wanted to also mention that now it is Sjogren's, not Sjogren's syndrome. Can you tell me why that is? Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, for years and years, people were calling it Sjogren's syndrome because the word syndrome basically implies that it's a, a collection of symptoms and signs that don't really have a source you can point to, an origin you can point to. Okay. Um, but now that we know what causes all of these symptoms and all these signs, the, there's no reason to call it a syndrome anymore because we know what it is. It's a disease. It is so the, the name is the, the Sjogren's Foundation is trying to move us all away from calling it a syndrome because that really downplays what this is. And it makes it sound like, oh, you just a whiny little thing because yeah, dry eyes and dry mouth. And yeah. it, it's not helpful to say the least. Yeah, I'm glad so, they changed that then. Yeah, it's, it's not official yet. In the new diagnostic codes they're coming out, it's still called Sjogren's syndrome. Well, actually, at least more officially called Sjogren's syndrome. Before that, it was called sicka, which just means you're dry, which that doesn't tell people very no. much. Uh, but now that it's moving into Sjogren's syndrome in the diagnostic codes, at least that's moving in the right direction. But now we got to get that syndrome gone. So Absolutely. the people who are, you know, at the forefront of the research are trying to say, let's move this. Let's go forward. Let's get rid of that word. Yeah. yeah. It's a disservice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, that's, you know what, I'll have Kelly move on to talking to you about the rest of the questions. Thank you so much for sharing that part. Well, I, I do have a question though about um, when you, when you were going through your diagnostic process, um, were there times you had to advocate for yourself? Were there times you had to speak to your doctors about putting together your symptoms 
you know, how did, how did you navigate that process with them? Because I think there's a lot of people who might be listening and they're like, oh, I have dry eyes or I have dry mouth. I wonder, or like, I, I'm having some of these symptoms. Maybe I should talk to my doctor about these things. So are there, are there ways you approached your doctor about some of the things you were going through that you might mention to some of our listeners? Well, I mean, really early on, I, I didn't even know to question my doctors to say, can you put this together for me? Um, I kind of had a feeling all along it was there, but I didn't have to articulate it when I was younger. Um, it really wasn't until I got into my 40s that I finally was able to say, look, here are all these things. <laughs> the positive, the, uh, the high sedimentation rate that I had is some things here you know, will you, how can you, how can you ignore this package in front of you? Um, and the lifestyle thing made a big difference too, because she couldn't say, my doctor couldn't say, well, a lot of these things could be remedied if you lose weight. And a lot of these things could be remedied right. if you change your diet. Um, Cause that just, that didn't fly in that situation. Right. Um, so I was able to remove that as an excuse, basically. Um, but it's just knowing what the puzzle pieces are and putting them together and saying to your doctor, here, look at this. Because um, most doctors, they've got their, their diagnoses that they like. And if it doesn't fit that diagnosis, they got nothing for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're I, too busy, honestly. And I'm not trying to knock doctors, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I understand how they're pressured for time. They've got, you know, all these other patients waiting out in the waiting room. They've only, they, they don't want to waste time on things that aren't necessary. They don't yes. want to do too many tests that the health insurance company is going to balk at. So I understand why that is, but you really need to do your own research and tell your doctor, this is the picture. These are the puzzle pieces. I have them. Right. Can you please and, and go I, farther with this? One of the things I really liked about your book is that you, you put together a good sense of what those puzzle pieces are for Sjogren's, um, what people need to be looking at. And so if someone's curious about Sjogren's um, or they have it, those puzzle pieces are all outlined in a way that you don't have to be a medical professional to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's a simple way that you can kind of go through all those pieces and say, okay, this is what I need to outline for my doctor and present to them. Um, so that they understand what I have, um, you know, I have these things that present and I have these things that they need to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing you're saying very clearly is to make sure we're paying attention to our tests and our testing and our test results. Yeah. yeah. Um, and doing the recommended things um, to make ourselves a little bit healthier um, that we can do, which I think right. brings us into the self-care section of your book, which is, I think, an in- incredible part of the book because you have a lot of really good advice for managing your illness, some strategy and some strategies in there that not only people with Sjogren's can, can um, bring into their lives, but people with, I think, any chronic illness can take to heart because I read it as someone with, you know, EDS and POTS and, and I was like, I can do some of these things. This is, this is a great section. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, 
you know, what research you did for that section and, and some of the things you, you, that, you know, inspired you for that part of it? Well, sure. Um, like I said, before I got diagnosed, I was really, really pushing myself very hard because, you know, you do hear that uh, good diet and exercise are supposed to make you feel great. And you would think if you follow that advice, it'll work. Um, and it didn't for me until I started to really look closely at what I was doing in, in uh, I was going overboard basically. And so to me, I'm starting to think more about self-care as not the hardcore diet, hardcore exercise routine that I think many people assume that's what it is. Um, it's much more of kind of weaving into your life a good understanding of what, what foods can help bring down the inflammation that's responsible for the autoimmune process and pretty much any other chronic disease, it all comes down to inflammation. Um, so knowing what foods to incorporate in your diet um, makes a huge difference. And knowing about what stress is doing to your symptoms because there's an immune system, nervous system connection that we cannot deny. So um, learning how to basically lasso, basically getting a hold of your immune system and you getting in charge mm -hmm. of the immune right. system and the nervous system instead of the stress from the nervous system kicking into the immune system, which tells the nervous system something's wrong and gets you stuck in a vicious, vicious cycle. So getting control of that, getting control of how much you're moving because you do need to move. It does help inflammation and it does absolutely help with pain, but you have to do it in a way that you're not making the inflammation worse and wear it on your joints worse. My whole philosophy was how do you come up with a self-care plan that number one, you can start and stick with because that's the biggest part of it, sticking with yes. something. Most definitely. And that's going to make you actually feel better. So can you talk a little bit about your self-care plan? Like what worked for you? Well, diet's been huge. Part of the reason I think some of my symptoms were so bad for a while was because I was eating a lot of um, artificial stuff, trying oh, to yeah. cut calories that way. And the, the ingredients in a lot of those foods, just they promote inflammation rather than cut it. Yeah. So I was, I was working, I was sabotaging myself. So the, honestly, I think the diet part has done the absolute best for me. I have not had any blood work come back with anything showing up for years now because wow, I, I eat a lot. Of, oh yeah. My, I incorporate vegetables into so many things that I eat. I eat fruit all the time. Um, processed food. I try to make it minimal. Sometimes you got to, cause it's just a time thing. And if you're tired, true. you know, you get, and that's part of my philosophy too, is if you think, if you beat yourself up because you did you ate something processed and you had some sugar and you did something that you know wasn't good for inflammation, th then that's adding stress. Yeah. So you have to have a balanced thought process about, you know, doing what your body needs as much as you possibly can, fitting it into your life when it makes sense. But, you, you know, you're not going to go to a birthday party and completely say no to everything all the time. You don't have to always do that. Right. Like who wants to say no to birthday cake? I mean, come on. Right. I mean, you, you got to be able to live a little too. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. So, you know, stop beating myself up. That was another part of my self-care is, is I, I understand that I don't have to be perfect all the time at my routine. 
getting exercise is huge. I have been very bad about that lately because I've been working on this book and I'm working on some other stuff and I'm doing a a lot of things. My exercise has fallen and I need to get back on that. But I can tell a huge difference when I am exercising. My pain gets so much worse when I'm not exercising. What kind of exercise do you do? Walking, mostly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, mostly walking. Um, Sometimes stuff with the Wii Fit. I know that's a really old this oh, technology. No, I have one and I'm like, I keep thinking I need to put it, I need to turn that thing back on. I have one and I keep thinking, I'm like, oh, I could totally hula hoop, maybe. I don't know. The hips are <laughs> gone. But I remember how fun it was to just we fit. Yeah. It's so simple. Oh, I love my we fit. I still have it too. And it was a great source of exercise. Yeah. 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 So walking and the we fit are kind of my mostly go to. I did a lot of exercise classes when I was hardcore, but I haven't been doing those anymore just because it was exhausting getting there. And I was working myself too hard. So um, yeah, I'd say that the diet has been the biggest part of it. Exercise helps a lot. Stress management helps. You know, you got to pace yourself. If you need to rest, you got to rest, you know, and that doesn't mean necessarily taking a nap, but give your brain a chance to settle down. Let all the Mm -hmm chaos up in there calm down a little bit um give yourself just quiet a lot of mindfulness activities i'm not sure how familiar you all are with that but mindfulness is it's not so much about being you know your blank mind or repeating an uh, ohm or something like that it's it's learning how to get your mind in the moment grounded in your environment feeling what's around you hearing the sounds around you seeing what's in the room with you um, rather than having all your attention up in here, going where, wherever it's going to go. There's, and that's there's, just really a way to let all the dust settle. There's an app, there's like headspace and then there's tapping yeah. and there's all of these applications now because so many people have gotten themselves so tied up in knots with everything going on and in the stress that that's a lot of what they're doing. It's about mindfulness. It's about getting yourself grounded back in the moment Mm-hmm. And that's not just a, that's not just a chronic illness thing. People are really struggling with that recently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's always something people need, but even right yeah. now with COVID, it's just, it's just worse. And then you yeah. add in chronic illness on top of it. And we, we can sometimes get ourselves really tied up in knots and literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess you know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, I would never tie my body up in knots. <laughs> Once upon a time I used to, now it's, now it's getting like with, with a lot of EDS patients from years of doing like parlor tricks and, and all the weird stuff you can also stiffen up. And that's, what's happening to some of my joints now. So it's super fun times. Like some are still bendy and then some are like, yeah, you bend me too much. We're done now. (laughs) You've used up your bending quota for your life. I used up my bending quota and now they're like, we're never moving again. Sorry. (laughs) That's an EDS conversation for another day. We're talking about Sjogren's today. Right. There's so much overlap though. So many people with Sjogren's have EDS and have lupus and have rheumatoid arthritis. And And that's kind of the other thing we wanted to talk about too, is like, is, is I think as people are listening to this, they're, they're going to kind of go, I have, I have these symptoms, but I have X and I have that symptom, but I have Y. I think it's important to understand that. Yeah, you can have you can have an overlap in oh, yeah. a lot of these. 
Um, cause Nicole, you definitely have an overlap. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough to tell like, okay, is this my Sjogren's, my lupus, <laughs> you know, or my that, medication or my medication. Cause I have oh, like yeah. a, a tremor, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't even know where this comes from or is this a new problem? You know? So it's always, always something popping up. Well, Nicole always has a new thing popping up. Oh, so God, Nicole's all the time. like, Nicole's the queen of like, let's add something else onto my illness. <laughs> It's not a contest, Nicole. Come on. No, I'm trying to yeah, lose but she this keeps one. Winning. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, no, I think I think stress is a really big thing. And and with all the stress that everybody's under, like a lot of the things you talk about in your book, you know, even the even the things to I I just call it getting overall healthier with exercise, mm-hmm. with diet. You you said you said something earlier about you were eating quote unquote, healthy foods, or you didn't want to call them healthy foods. You're calling them low calorie foods. And I think that point of the difference between eating low calorie versus healthy is a very important distinction uh-huh. that, uh-huh. And, and you kind of said it again, like you were just because they're low calorie, a lot of times they're filled with all of the artificial stuff. And right. that's so important because those artificial sweeteners the, the preservatives that go into them, all of that can really affect inflammation. Caution people with that because so many of our chronic illnesses, we, we don't do well with all of that artificial ickiness. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, funny thing is my entire decade of my twenties, I was a vegetarian and it was, you know, people would say, why are you vegetarian? You, you, you know, you love animals and of course, yeah, I love animals, but it's because the research shows that people with more of a plant-based diet have fewer long-term chronic illnesses, blah, blah, Definitely. blah. But that, that didn't, it didn't work for me because I, I ate so much artificial stuff and right. so much bread and pot, you know, this was during those don't eat fat days. Yes. Oh, gosh. So, and I, yeah. I seriously <laughs> wonder how much of what I've got going on now could have been prevented. If right. I hadn't done that for 10 years. Oh, I tell I Nicole all the time. We grew up in an era where we ate lead paint off of walls and, and <laughs> there was asbestos everywhere. And well, you think about when we went to McDonald's when we were kids, it was in styrofoam. You yeah. know, they came in styrofoam containers when it was hot yeah. and leaking through the styrofoam and the chemicals are just leaking into your food. Yeah. You know, you oh, think yeah. back to all the stuff we didn't know, even in the eighties, you know, the seventies, eighties, nineties, and it's like, oh my God, it's a miracle. Any of us survived. So yeah, you wonder how much of, because it, people like my younger friends laugh at me and they're like, you know, way too many people with chronic illnesses that are my age. And I just wonder sometimes how many of, how much of that it was due to our environment. But, but at the same time, we can analyze that all day, but we've got to deal with what we've got to deal with. And I, I need to be able to live my life every day. And one of the things that I really liked about your book, Susan, is that you talk about you, you really are talking about that. You're not, you're like, okay, this is the illness. This is what it is. This is the, you know, this is the diagnosis. This is, these are the symptoms. This is, but here's how you live your life. Like this, you know, you, you eat well, you keep yourself healthy by reducing your stress. You keep yourself healthy by, you know, exercising. And then you talk a little bit about setting goals. And, and I think some people think that they have to do all these things and then they get overwhelmed because um, yeah. it seems so big and it seems so nebulous. Their doctors throwing stuff at them there, you know, and we have like 20 doctors. 
So all mm-hmm. our doctors are throwing things at us. And then we're told exercise, eat right, take these mm-hmm. medicines, do this, do that. And it is just huge. And, and it, our heads start to explode. So you talk a little bit about mini goals. And I, I kind of like you to touch on that today, because I think this is something you're going to touch on more in the future with some of your future projects too. So can you talk a little bit more on, on mini goals? Yeah, a lot of times when you tell, doctors tell you you need to eat better, exercise, lose weight, they don't tell you how, first of all. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you, they tell you what you should eat, but not how to get it into your life. Um, and I think that it's important for people to start with goals that are achievable right now. So um, for example, thinking about um, your diet, having a mini goal of today, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this package of spinach and I'm going to put spinach into my eggs. I'm going to put it on my sandwich and I'm going to somehow have it with my dinner. You know, that's not a life overhaul. Taking this one thing and implementing it in a small way, ways that you're going to go the next day, go, I did it. I, I had, I love it. I got that in my diet every day. It wasn't all day. It wasn't even that hard or going to a meeting where donuts are and saying, I'm going to get through this hour without eating a donut. Not, I'm never eating any sugar, but this hour, I'm going to go for one hour. I don't know if I can do that, Susan. (laughs) What an accomplishment it is though, right? Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment. It's wonderful. And, you know, exercise, I'm not going to promise myself that I'm going to run a 5k next week, but I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to do today, I'm going to take a walk for 10 minutes to clear my head. And 10 minutes actually can easily become longer because you get, it feels good clearing your head and you, you you know, it's just easy. Once you get going, getting going is a lot of the hard part. And that could be a goal right there. Task initiation goal right there. Get on the exercise bike, pedal, see what happens. Get moving. Next thing you know, you might be like, oh, this isn't too bad. Right. Um, You next thing you know, you're going a little farther than you ever planned on because you just didn't put pressure on yourself to go 10 miles or five miles or a mile or whatever it was. Just initiate the activity and that right there is going to make you feel accomplished because you did something that you've been putting off. Yeah. You know, they say, you know, you dread something for all this time. And then when you do it, it's done. And you're like, what was the big deal? Task initiation goals are for that. So initiate the task of taking the short walk. Doesn't even have to be a long walk. See where it goes. It might go a little, you might go farther than you thought. Task initiation, go read the labels and all the food in your pantry. Initiate that task. Where's it going to take you? What might happen after that? So mini goals, there were, I'm talking mini, (laughs) really mini here. Get started, kind of jumpstart yourself and see where it goes see how you feel because you accomplished that little thing and then add another mini goal the next time so it could be in terms of time task initiation um, number of things that you're going to do i'm going to i'm going to walk i had this loop in my house around the master of the uh half bath in our base in our first floor and i used to do a a couple of laps around that during commercial Oh, wow. That's a great that's idea. It. That's yeah. good. While the microwave's got something in it, a couple of laps. And it built up. It really builds up and you start feeling better because that wasn't so bad is what you find yourself thinking. Because yeah. they're small, of, attainable goals. Yeah. Instead of, I got to walk, you know, a mile or I got to walk this many steps. I'm going to have a goal today of every time I have something in the microwave, walk around the through the loop. Yeah, that's a smart Simple goal. stuff. I like that. Susan, and that's I... the stuff that builds momentum because it's reinforcing. Right. And the reinforcement's what makes you feel good and feeling good makes you want to do it again. And sometimes if you track those little accomplishments, you start to feel better. 
Oh yeah. You track, if you start to track them, you start to see yourself build up. Like, you know, today I walked around three times today. I walked around three, you know, and for two weeks you might walk around three times and then suddenly you see yourself walking around four times mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh my gosh, I stepped it up to four times. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or, or use the bathroom upstairs. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great idea. So these are not huge goals. No, little things, little things go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yes. It really does build your confidence. And that confidence is what keeps you moving, keeps you going. Can I go back just a couple of steps, Susan, and ask you why I think there's going to be a lot of people that are wondering, you know, with autoimmune diseases, inflammation is huge. Can you explain a little bit about just the inflammatory process and that how that affects people? with these illnesses, like with Sjogren's or any other autoimmune disease? Well, in general, you know, inflammation is there for a good reason, actually, because it's there to rescue a a body tissue when an injury happens or a foreign body gets in there um, that could cause an infection. So the inflammation is there to be the first line of defense, basically. And then in that process of inflammation, your immune cells speak to each other. In the normal circumstance, once the, like when it puts the fire out, the immune system should be saying, okay, we're good. Everybody go home now, stand down. It's fine. And that happens through something called cytokines. And that could even either be pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory cytokines. So your body's using these chemicals to communicate with itself. And with autoimmunity, a lot of times that part, that mechanism doesn't work. The body seems to just keep the pro-inflammatory cytokines churning, and it just kind of has a multiplicative effect where it just, you can't seem to get it to put the brakes on. So whatever parts of the body it's going after, the inflammation there is obviously going to cause damage and discomfort, which is how you get your symptoms mm-hmm. and how organs start to deteriorate. When I talk about all my lifestyle stuff, basically is to train your body, get your immune system to put the brakes on that and start getting to churn out anti-inflammatory chemicals. So your body knows time to stop, calm down. So we don't like, uh, you know, exacerbate those symptoms by the things that we eat or things that can cause inflammation. Exactly. Exactly. Because we're not helping ourselves by putting things into our body that feed that. Yeah. We want to get stuff going into our body that's fighting that basically. Yeah, that makes total sense. So, okay. So, you know, talking about the book, I think this is a great resource for everybody. Um, Susan, can you share a little bit about what you've got coming up for people? I I know that you've got, you've got this book coming out. It's, or you've got this book out already, actually people can get it on Amazon. Um, We're going to share a link in the uh, show notes. We'll, we'll uh, put a link up on our website, Facebook page. So people will definitely be able to find it, but you're also, if people go to your, if people go to that link, they're going to be able to get also a freebie. Yeah. Um, the freebie. So basically if you go to my, go to the link that, um, they're giving you in the show notes, you will go to a sign up to be on a list basically. And I'll be able to send you my free ebook, which is nope, it's not in your head. (laughs) And it's um, basically telling my story, how I got diagnosed. And then there's another story in there about, uh, it's something that I wrote out of frustration at one point, and it's called, no, she's not a princess. She has Sjogren's syndrome. And it was out of purely out of frustration for living such a high maintenance life and how you, you can't do all the things you used to be able to do. And 
people are thinking, why, you know, why aren't you eating what you used to? Why aren't you drinking like you used to? Why can't you go out all night like you used to? Why do you always have to have water all the time? Why are you so tired all the time? So anyway, I, my ebook is these stories. And then um, I'm also giving you links to something called the Shogren Spot, which is my new online school. And I'm going to be doing inflammation workshops and exercise workshops and diet workshops and stress management workshops and all kinds of things to help bring the inflammation down through your lifestyle. And I think that is just so great because so amazing. people need that. I mean, a lot of times we can't do all that. Like, it's so hard to just do it all on our own and figure yeah. all this stuff out on our own and to have that type of resource to come to, to say, I need someone to show me, show me how, Mm -hmm. how, um, we, we need those resources. I mean, it's really hard to figure it all out on your own. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. And the first one that I'm going to be launching is a workshop called how inflammatory is your diet. And we're going to do an overview of something called the dietary inflammatory index that was developed out of South university of South Carolina. And um, we'll talk about what foods have a high index and a low index and what you're eating and where it falls on that scale um, and how to start packing your diet with the stuff that's in the anti-inflammatory end of the spectrum and recognizing what you are eating that is pro-inflammatory that you may not have known. That is so needed. It really is. Because I know that like as I've gone through and done some research. I'm like, oh, that's inflammatory. It's wow. confusing. It's, it's so confusing. confusing. Yeah. It really is. Like, and I've then been eating that thinking it's healthy. Right? And I know. Why, right? You think it's healthy. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what? Yeah. yeah. I mean, some things are kind of like obvious, like, uh, right. you know, d- pops, you know, or diet Cokes, you know, or not Cokes in general, but I'm saying diet pops, but you know, they have the, and in, in other parts of the world, that's sodas. That's soda. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you think all <laughs> the artificial sweeteners and what that, did you know, artificial sweeteners can mimic signs of MS in yes. people? I like, I read that like whole um, article and I was blown away by that. Yes. yes. It's, it's crazy what all these chemicals we put into our bodies do to yeah. us. Yeah. We're trying to do the right thing. And it's working against us. And so we got to start finding what's not going to work against us and what's going to work with us. Yes. Yeah. So I think that, I think that workshop is, is going to be incredible. I'm really excited. I can't wait to get it started. I can't wait to watch it. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. I was thinking the link. I'm like, I want that. Yeah. But um, if you, if you sign up on my link there, you can, uh, it'll take you to that school online school and you can actually sign up to get into my school even before I've done anything okay great so then I can communicate with you then okay this one's getting ready to start and I'll send you information as it comes up that is amazing great I'm excited about that so so excited for you too yeah this is this has been really my life's work has been focusing on health and the the physical health and the psychology how all interacts together Um, And the careers that I've had took me off track, kind of. And now that I'm doing my own thing, I'm I'm getting joy out of this because it's really what I I love, this kind of stuff. And it just happened that I ended up getting this disease that I needed to research and it's everything just falling right together for me. And it's really been it's been great. So, so, you know, I think it's funny that you're kind of saying you found a blessing in your disease. Yeah. Because I keep talking, I keep talking about like, you know, people always say, um, you know, find, be positive and 
you know, now mind you, they say it like it's going to cure your disease and (laughs) never is. But I, I do think that there is something to be said for staying a little bit positive and trying to find the positive in life mm-hmm. because if you are constantly negative and you are constantly in this doom and gloom state, I don't think you do yourself any good no. because again, it increases your stress. It increases, which increases your inflammation. And I think that, I think it causes issues with, with any type of disease really. So well, I think it's gonna finding be- some positivity in whatever you're going through is so important. And I think you've found something there that, that really is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's been the silver lining of all several silver linings. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for the silver lining. Just, yeah. It's all come together. It's, it's what I love to study and it happens to be me, you know, you can call that me search and, uh, it's all work, you know, working out that I love to research and I love to explain things to people. And here you go. I got this perfect go. thing now. I can that's read so about and explain. Awesome. So that's awesome. Awesome. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we sign off? Um, we're, um, can you give the, can you, is there an easy URL you can give to your website? Uh, yeah, the to the sign up link is it's a bit.ly. So it's bit.ly, but then you mean it isn't in my head. All one it. word. Okay, great. Trying to make that easy. You mean it <laughs> isn't in my head. No, no punctuation, none of that. But okay, great. And again, we'll have that link in the show notes. Um, if you go to the chronicspoonful.com, we'll have it up on our website also. So you can find it there. Um, and thank you guys again so much for listening today. Thank you, Susan, for coming on. This was an amazing discussion. We loved having it. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Um, and, uh, we will chat again with you next week. Thanks again, Susan. It was seriously, was an incredible book and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. 